Hi, I'm Gina Carvelis, and this is Let's Be Great One Five, a YMCA of the Rock River Valley podcast dedicated to all things healthy living. Today's topic is a very important one and also something we're really focused on here at the Y. Childhood obesity is something we've been talking a lot about. It's not just here locally, but it's a national problem and one that affects us greatly as, you know, as well here in Rockford, like I said, as all over. But in 2018, 19.3% of kids ages 2 to 19 had obesity or were um, classified in that obese category. And if we consider what's happened in our world since 2019, we know that that statistic um, definitely, probably, most likely has increased. Yeah, for sure. One of the other, you know, there's lots of things we can look to COVID uh, and, and I don't want to say blame, but I, it, it certainly hasn't helped. That's for sure. Um, yeah. In the U.S., childhood obesity alone is estimated to cost $14 billion annually in direct health expenses. That's billion. Whenever that billion number, that's, that is a huge, huge number. It's staggering. Mm-hmm. And we know that if a child carries extra weight, they're likely to continue to do so into adulthood. And we also know that carrying that extra weight can lead to a plethora of health problems. So today we are fortunate to have Dr. Katrina Wynn on with us. And Dr. Wynn is a pediatric GI physician associate professor at the University of Illinois College of Medicine at Rockford and the founder and director of Faithful to Fitness. She also launched an obesity intervention program in Rockford and has organized an annual 5K Fight Obesity Walk With Me that has run every August since 2016. Thanks so much for being here, Dr. Katrina. Thank you very much. And we're honored honored to represent Faithhood of Fitness uh, and to discuss the importance of childhood obesity intervention, not just in Rockford, but across America. Yeah, for sure. Um, And and I I love the work that you're doing. And just I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are, what, what led you to this? How did you become so passionate about childhood obesity? So, um, One of the things that I've shared in in the past, uh, this question comes up often. In 2010, uh, I saw a 12-year-old male patient in Augusta, Georgia, um, whose mom would drive two hours to see me every three months, and we would do a lot of counseling in the office about healthy uh, interventions as a family to improve his fatty liver disease and obesity. And despite several visits, um, there was never change and he kept gaining weight. So, uh, and his fatty liver kept getting worse. So I uh, decided to just sit down and talk to mom separately and ask her what were the challenges that were facing her and her son to make healthy lifestyle changes. And I recognized just from a 30 minute conversation in one, like probably the fourth office visit uh, every three months, Uh, that there were barriers and a lot of the barriers related to time and motivation, finances, the knowledge of healthy eating, healthy activity, Mm -hmm. uh, normal, you know, the amount of time for screen time Mm -hmm. and just being around an environment where, you know, when you're around other people um, or you grow up not really knowing how to eat healthy and what's appropriate portion sizes. Mm-hmm. So those yeah. are barriers that I, I recognized. And from there, I decided to address those barriers, not in the office, which is very difficult, and took mm-hmm. it out to the community. And, the, and then I started the first uh, childhood obesity intervention program in Augusta. 
Mm. Um, oh, wow. Back then. And I got an American Academy Pediatric uh, Catch Grant, C-A-T-C-H, which is Community okay. Access to Child Health, along with uh, one of the pediatric residents. Um, so basically, in order to get a grant for that, the American Academy of Pediatrics has to recognize that the concept is a proof of concept. Um, so uh, can this be replicated anywhere mm-hmm. across the country, not specific yes. to a city or a hospital? Okay. And, and the only people that receive these grants are people that propose ideas that can be replicated. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You, so, you know, you talked, uh, uh, you gave an example of talking to the parent, right? You know, and so, um, you know, tell us a little bit, you know, just what ways childhood obesity is similar and or different, you know, with adult obesity. Um, you know, if you're, if you're obese as a child, what, you know, are you more likely to be obese as an adult? Most definitely. And that's um, one of the reasons why I, my focus with Faithful to Fitness is on childhood obesity, because that question has come up. Um, I mm-hmm. think, you know, when I did my training in residency, I actually did a combined uh, internal medicine and pediatric residency in Missouri. Mm-hmm. So I took care of adults as well as children for four years before I focused on pediatric GI. And w- one reason why I chose to focus on pediatric GI is the in pediatric care, there's an opportunity for preventive care, which uh, when I saw a 40-year-old, you know, with a heart attack and a, getting her first stent out of the mm-hmm. hospital with diabetes, obesity, smoking, asthma, hypertension, oh on eight wow. to 10 different meds and social issues that, that they struggle with, right? Mm-hmm. Poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, those are things I said, gosh, if I could intervene in childhood, we can prevent a lot of these issues uh, from happening that can lead to other chronic health problems. And that's really the biggest part, the preventive aspect. The other thing is that um, for childhood obesity, there are things within the family that you can actually work together. So the adult makes a lot of decisions for the child. What kind of food is available? Mm-hmm. What kind of beverages? Yeah. How much activity are we doing together? How much screen time is allowed? Mm-hmm. the bedtime, how much sleep, you know, what time they go to bed, what time they wake up. Um, so those are all things that we need to recognize that it's not just the child who's struggling, but it's really a family intervention and a family struggle that we're addressing here. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I know it, it's hard for the family. It, it's got to be hard for parents of kids who are facing this, but it's also got to be just so incredibly difficult for these children carrying this excess weight. Can you expand on that for us a bit and just explain some of the ways that these obese children are, are suffering? So I think, um, you know, we, although we look at body mass index, you know, and look at where they fall in the chart percentile wise, uh, the more important thing is the chronic health problems that are caused by overweight and obesity, uh, such as fatty liver, um, type two diabetes, sleep apnea, some joint issues, increase in um, heartburn, reflux symptoms. Uh, Mm -hmm. I also have many children I see for constipation because they're not eating correctly. That also yeah. leads to healthy eating habits, is digestive the digestive problems as well mm-hmm. uh, that we can address if we eat healthier, more fruits, vegetables, more fiber, and appropriate portion sizes, reduction in sugar and sugary beverages. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just these are just to name a few. Wow. Yeah, if you know, for our listeners, if you could, you know, eliminate three 
foods and or drinks or both, you know, from the American diet, you know, what would it be? You know, what would you suggest or if they could change one behavior or um, just to help reduce, you know, childhood obesity, what would be one thing that, you know, someone could start on if, our, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, that's me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and as a, as a parent, you know, you just want to be able to help your child. You don't want to see them suffer. And sometimes it's just, my gosh, where do I start? You know, cause it can be overwhelming. I think um, one of the things we address in our obesity intervention program with Faithful to Fitness is start with one change. Uh, and one okay. of the changes we talk about is sugary beverages. Yes. Um, okay. And that, that's a big, big component for children. And it's not just sodas. You know, um, there are hidden uh, sugary uh, beverages that seem healthy, but they're packed with sugar, such as juices, mm -hmm. uh, energy drinks. Uh, for, for adults, um, you know, uh, blended coffees, which is becoming a, a uh, fad, right? Something that yeah. children enjoy too. Like have to stop at their favorite, you know, coffee shop and get mm -hmm. that blended mm -hmm. coffee. And it's not only is it not healthy for the sugary content, but there's other things that are within those, um, you know, blended drinks and caffeine that aren't yeah. healthy for the growth of uh, the children, bone health in particular. Mm -hmm. So that's one food, um, you know, fried food. That's another thing. Uh, so sugar and, and fat are very addictive and it actually affects our appetite. You know, normally we eat because we're hungry, but sometimes we're eating just out of pleasure, right? Pleasure centers mm -hmm. within our brain that says, I need to eat to fulfill the, the joy and the happiness mm -hmm. um, instead <laughs> of just eating because our stomach's growling. Right. right. So uh, yeah. we need to change that a bit. But I think uh, those are two things, sugar and fat. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. I agree. And I, I can relate to that. You know, sometimes you don't eat because you're hungry. And I've noticed this sometimes when I'm driving home from work, I, I am thinking about getting home and having chips and salsa, like, it, because it's my <laughs> habit. It's what I do. It's like my little habit. It became a habit. Like it was just my, my snack. And it and I realize it's not the healthiest snack. And I, my brain now thinks, oh, I can't wait to get home and eat the chips and salsa. So I'm trying to reprogram myself and I've switched, I've switched to something a little healthier, but you do those habits that those become ingrained and those become part of your pattern. And, and I agree that it's, it's healthy to try to break them, especially when kids are young before they become adult patterns. Correct, yeah. So, yeah. And one, one yeah. other thing I will mention, you know, we talked um, briefly about um, the pandemic to earlier. Um, and there's, there's a study that came out about a week ago uh, and was discussed by the CDC about the increase in childhood obesity and adult obesity during the pandemic. Yeah. And there's several factors, you know, part of it is we're sitting at home in front of the screen, either working remotely or, you know, with virtual uh, classrooms and the access to snacks you know, it's easy, right, to go to the yeah. cupboard and say, I, you know, versus like actually, you know, snack time or lunch time that's that's defined right. at, in the school setting. It's more structured. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. And the level of uh, decreased level of activity that we have during the pandemic as mm -hmm. well. So. Yeah, I noticed that, you know, we worked remotely um, and sometimes we still might work a morning or something at home. And I'm always like, I got to get to work because it's so easy to take that role. Well, I think I'll, I'll grab a handful of this or I'll go have that. And, you know, at work, I, I only have what I bring with me. So um, yeah, just a different, just the access to it makes a difference. 
Um, you know, we know that when people are overweight or obese, they generally realize it. And, and we've seen it here. I've, I've had parents call and say, I'm trying to help my child. Um, they feel hopeless about their weight. They also oftentimes don't feel comfortable being physically active because that excess weight makes it hard to be physically active. And they're also very self-conscious of it. Um, and so it can be hard for them to find hope and motivation. What would you say is most effective at making these kids want to participate in physical fitness activities? And I know you mentioned catch and I'm familiar with it. We've used it here too. Um, and I love, what I love about catch is that it's non-competitive um, and, and kids don't even realize oftentimes that it's exercise. Um, so to me, that's part of it. But, but what else would you say is most effective at really wanting these kids to get moving? Um, I think one of the things I talk about in the office setting when parents you know, discuss, like, how can I, where do I start? <clears throat> and I always say, we, when we don't change anything, nothing changes, right? So we have to pick one thing to change. You know, are we going to change something in our diet? Are we going to change something with activity? Are we going to change something with screen time? Mm -hmm. um, so we pick one thing to change. Um, and like I said earlier, that, uh, I find in, in pediatrics that sugar, sugary beverages is the first place to start. Uh, and if it's not beverages, then other, other sources of sugar, because it's very addicting and it actually increases you know, your desire to eat more than really that eating because you're hungry. Mm -hmm. um, I think the other thing I talk about our nonprofit and our obesity intervention program is that uh, Oftentimes the most difficult thing to do is just to show up on that first day, walk through the doors. And then once they're there, they realize they're not alone. You know, it's like, it becomes like a support group. They make friends and some people start to realize they're in the same neighborhood. They can go out and walk together. They might share recipes. They might meal prep together. But uh, our program gives an opportunity for people to feel, for children and parents to exercise together, to cook together. Uh, to sit down and listen to a nutrition lesson from a dietitian, to go to a farm tour, to do a grocery store tour with us and read labels. Yeah. But it, it gives time for families to actually address the issue. How can we be healthier mm -hmm. together? Yeah. Uh, and then also the opportunity for um, like a support group. Yeah. I, you mentioned a farm tour. I, you know, you never, you always think about a grocery tour, but a farm tour, I mean, that would be fun, engaging something different, you know, and for to be able to show, you know, that child just where it's starting from, you know what I mean, from the ground up. So yeah, um, we're partnered with um, Angelic Organics Learning Center oh, since, yeah. two, since 2015. Um, nice. And uh, we are able to do two to three farm visits um, per year, except for mm -hmm. 2020, of course. Um, yeah. And uh, so we have a farm instructor on a Saturday for two hours. And, uh, you know, during that two hours, some of it is um, just talking about, you know, how, how food grows, right? How mm -hmm. plants and learn about different types of plants and the benefits, health benefits, mm -hmm. and then how to um, run a farm, yeah. how to harvest, uh, you know, how to feed animals, learn farm chores. And then the children get to um, harvest vegetables and build a salad, learn how to make a healthy dressing and eat together, sit down and eat together with them and with the parents and other children. So it's been amazing okay. to have that yeah. partnership. That's, yeah. that's really cool. I love that. 
So I know, um, you know, you talked a little bit about uh, when you've had a patient, a child that was obese and sitting down and talking with the, the parent, you know, and sometimes I, I feel like, um, you know, as, and I have three little ones, but I'm like, I can't, I don't know what to do with them. Can you just fix them? You know? And so I think maybe for um, some people, you know, for some parents, it may be an eye opener of, you know, I might be doing some contributing factors to why my child might be obese. And it's hard to hear those things, you know, and that might not be something that the parent first thinks of, right. Is that, or that I'm modeling a behavior and my child, you know what I mean? is doing everything like I am doing. So you brought up Maybe I go drink um, a sugary coffee. I go through a drive-through and then my daughter's going to be like, can I have one too? You know, can I have that too? Because mom's doing it. You know, mm-hmm. what would be, what would you say would be some maybe lesser known facts or contributors to childhood obesity that maybe some of our listeners aren't thinking of, you know, that um, maybe we need to reevaluate what we're doing <laughs> and maybe some tips. I think that, um, you know, one of the things I've learned uh, over time regarding this question is that a lot of times a, a patient will be referred either to my office or my program, and they kind of feel like even as in their family, they're targeted, like they're, wow. they're the only one that's struggling. But mm-hmm. really, it's more of a family environment that has led to this. Um, certainly, we don't want children to feel like they're suffering alone or they're yeah. the only one that has to make the change. So the change has to start as a family. Um, just think about other health issues. Like for instance, I take care of children with celiac disease who need to be on gluten-free diet. Mm-hmm. Many times as a whole family, they all become gluten-free, right? To support, <laughs> it's much easier yeah. to cook, you know, and it's much, oh, yeah. uh, much easier to shop and prepare meals. And then the child who has celiac, Maybe even another parent may have celiac. Just feels more support. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly in the home setting, you know, when they go outside, maybe the children or parent without celiac might be able to splurge on a non-gluten-free meal. But within mm-hmm. the home setting, so think about you know childhood obesity, um, you know, as something similar to other diseases where we can support each other by making changes together. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like it's more. Uh, that social emotional piece is a huge part of it as well. So. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Um, I, I really think that it, it does take a family effort. You know, this is, this is not the kids issue to face alone. And, and I think any successful program has to not just involve the parent, um, but, but really have them participating in the program as well, because some of those changes need to be made, just like you said, across the family, or maybe it's just, it ends up being the case because it's just an easier way to, instead of cooking for four different tastes or, or needs. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the best things parents and other caregivers can do for the, for their children who are facing obesity? I mean, do you feel that getting them into a program such as yours or some, something we offer here at the Y where they're, I always feel like when you feel like you're alone in a struggle, it always helps if you walk into a room and look around and think, oh my gosh, these people are facing the same thing I am. So I have to think that that's beneficial. Absolutely. And the, our program requires the participation of parents, uh, grandparents or guardians. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for the hour of exercise at peak, which is one of our partners, we, um, you know, the, the guardian can't just 
you know, drop off a child and see you in an hour right. and mm-hmm. to come and participate. Um, same thing, whether it's exercise class or, or farm tour nutrition lesson or a, a meal prep class, uh, it's doing it together and right. struggling through it together, learning together, educating each, each other, other yeah, right? Seeing sure. where we make, you know, how we can do things better, how we can use what we learn from the exercise class to incorporate it into an activity we can do together at home. Mm-hmm. So it's as simple as, you know, if you, uh, if you can't do the same exact uh, exercise that we're doing in the class, think of some other way that we're moving, walking. Mm-hmm. And I always encourage walking. If we get home and we've been sedentary at work or at school, go home and get a 30 to 60 minute walk together mm-hmm. and make it fun, right? It's mm-hmm. about moving. It's really about being, being active and moving. Mm-hmm. And connected. <laughs> Correct. Yep. Love that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think about, you know, just, I'm like, all right, I'm going to start making, I guess, being more aware, like some takeaways of what are my kids drinking? (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, you talked about, that's like the number one thing, um, is the kids that sugary drink that they may be choosing or that that parent may be allowing. And you may not even realize even if they're at school, what they drink, you know, um, already for the day. And, um, that's definitely one piece that I will definitely take away from our conversation today is just to be more aware um, and start small. And and one of the the things we do at the um, like grocery store tour, uh, we go to Meyer, what is one of Mm -hmm. uh, other partners. And we, um, you know, we, we allow them to kind of go through different aisles and pick out things they normally would shop for and and teach them about reading labels. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, oftentimes we'll go through the beverage aisle. Right. And and then my dietitian talks about the uh, energy drinks and the juices and the sodas and the sugar content and the portion sizes. And then all of a sudden, some people come in and they say, let me just sneak in here and just grab this real quick. And then it's like they start hearing us talk and we're like, we're not talking about we're just just in our group. But, you know, they just feel you know, guilty. I can't believe yeah. I'm taking this in the middle of a nutrition lesson. Yeah. <laughs> but it actually, uh, there are times when we do these nutrition lessons in the grocery uh, store tour, there are other people come and listen and have questions. And, um, awesome. and it just becomes like, wow, you know, I guess we're making this public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's a thing, it's things like if we're at the fruit or vegetable aisle and they, they're just fascinated by topics like you know vitamins and antioxidants and how the kids actually know these answers mm-hmm. to the questions that are being posed by the dietitian mm-hmm. that's great that's mm-hmm. fine that's, it's fun to get the kids involved and like you said that they know the know more sometimes than the adults do so <laughs> that are yeah. in and around the grocery store so that's great well you know um you know doctor when we appreciate your time with us today and um just being with us and you know, you are just so well-rounded and uh, both nationally in the com- or nationally and here in our community. And we just encourage our listeners to learn more about childhood obesity and Dr. Wynn's nonprofit, Faithful to Fitness, by visiting faithful dash, then it's the number two dash fitness.org. And um, we just appreciate your time so much. So thanks for being with us. And I wanted to kind of summarize uh, briefly to, you know, I wrote a blog for, um, it's a, a blog called Catholic Medical News and Views. And mm-hmm. within the blog, it does summarize some bullet points about how we can encourage healthy lifestyles at a young age mm-hmm. as a family. 
So, you know, just to summarize some of the points we made earlier, so drink water instead of sugary beverages. Yep. Drink water before you eat. And that's one way to help with portion control because it makes you feel full. That kind of tricks our mm -hmm. mind, right? Mm -hmm. Reduce consumption of saturated fat, salt, and added sugars. Try to eat three to five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Increase um, whole grain foods in your diet. Uh, participate as a family at least 60 minutes a day of aerobic exercise as simple as walking and eating together at the table turn off the tv don't eat in front of the tv because we're mm -hmm. not keeping track of our portions when we're doing that yeah right. those are some bullet points i wanted to remind you and the other thing i also wanted to mention is um, i do i published a book in december of 2020 called live to give and it's oh, on okay. amazon and through hilton publishing and within it i also talk about the formation of faith with fitness and uh, oh, kind of the guidance of my own faith uh, leading me to think about time, talent and treasure and how me and other volunteers in the community and partnerships have made it possible for Rockford Loves Park area to have a nonprofit fo focused on childhood obesity. And we hope to be able to share that uh, model to other cities in America. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Thanks so much for sharing all that and great summary there at the end. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Key, key takeaway. So, well, to our listeners, make sure you subscribe so that you get alerts uh, each week for the new episode that just dropped. And that's it. So thanks so much. You guys have a great day. Thank, thank you. you.